So uh, we're in a series. This is week three of a series called Walking with Jesus, Lessons from the Holy Land. And so uh, my wife and I uh, were privileged to be able to go to, uh, to the Holy Land, to Israel, back in April uh, of this year on a 12-day trip. Uh, just absolutely incredible, life-changing trip that we went on. Uh, and then I shared that unexpectedly, um, our friend um, and kind of partner in ministry in Nicaragua, Donald Gillette, was leading a trip in September, and he got sick and unfortunately ended up passing away. Um, and before and while he was sick, he called and asked if um, if Jennifer and I would go back to Israel and lead this trip for him. So we went a second time in September, um, and so we've only been back a few weeks. Um, but it's just uh, it's a you know it was kind of a bittersweet trip the second time, but it was an, a still just an incredible experience. And we wanted to take time to to share with you a little bit about what we experienced and what we learned. And I wanted this to be more than a, a slideshow. I wanted it to be more than a history lesson. So we want to really focus in on some lessons that we can apply to everyday life. And so if you've missed the first two weeks, I encourage you to go back, check them out online on our website um, at mycornerstone.org. Uh, you can find them on YouTube and Facebook as well. Uh, but it's just, uh, I think this series, man, it really will change how you look at the Bible. Uh, and, and how you read scripture. And that's a really our goal for this. And so today, man, this is kind of a special message as well, um, because numerous times over the years, I've heard Donald Gillette preach messages in Nicaragua about going to the other side. I don't know if any of you guys that have been on our mission trips with us have ever heard him speak on that, but it was a popular topic for him about going to the other side and the significance of that. Jesus told his disciples, let us go to the other side. And, and you're going to learn today that that's important, that that was an unusual request. And so uh, uh, just in preparing this week, I just keep thinking back to, to some of the, the things that Don has shared in the, in the past. So uh, each week I've been showing a video to kind of explain and set up the sermon a little bit. Um, some weeks I've been showing two. Today I've just got one video. Um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to share a little bit about what I'm going to be talking about today. So let's watch this. So I'm standing on the edge of the Sea of Galilee on the beach where Jesus probably, where we think tradition tells us that Jesus forgave Peter, told him uh, to go and feed my sheep. This is a special place and this side of the lake uh, was the, the Jewish side of the lake. Herod Antipas was the ruler on this side and it was, the, the, the area was very Jewish in nature. It's where Jesus did most of his ministry here on the north, uh, north, northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. But across the lake, uh, just on the other side, um, is, um, <laughs> is where Jesus in Mark chapter four said, come let us go to the other side. Now the disciples 
uh, this would be pretty significant for them because why would they want to go to the other side? The other side of the lake, this side was Jewish, that side was Gentile. This side was tradition and religion and the, the comfortable, what they knew and what they experienced. The other side, that was the place where the, the, the people who were far from God lived. That was the place that the people uh, lived that just were, were the, the, the partiers, the people who didn't honor God and didn't honor His Word. And yet the disciples got in the boat with Jesus, not knowing what to expect, went across the lake. While they were going across, a storm rose up and Jesus calmed the storm. They got to the other side and met a demon-possessed man. You read about it in Mark chapter 5. And while they were there, the, Jesus cast out the, 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 the demon into a, a herd of pigs. And that is even significant because on the other side of the lake, they had pig farms. That why, The Jewish people wouldn't even, there's no way they would stand for that here on this side. But on that side, that side, it was anything goes. And after Jesus had cast the demon out, the man wanted to come follow Jesus. But Jesus told him, no, stay here. Now, why am I sharing this story that you'll find it in me in the Gospels in Mark 4 and 5? It's because of what happened after. Because here on this side of the lake, here on this side is where we, uh, Jesus did so much of his ministry. Later on, he said, woe to you who are in uh, Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin, all the cities right here on the Jewish side, on the good side of the lake. He said, because if the miracles that had been done here would have been done elsewhere, you would have believed. And so the church here, struggled after the death of Jesus. And you see, uh, it didn't take long for it to kind of wither away, so to speak. But what about the other side, the wild side, the side where the people lived that didn't know God? Well, the man that was demon-possessed, he did stay. He did tell people about Jesus. A church was established. And not only that church, it actually flourished when the other churches were struggling. And it's amazing to see what happened through the first few centuries after the death of Jesus. Uh, it became a hub to send out missionaries. It became a place where uh, people, would, pilgrims would travel for up until the fifth and sixth century until the, uh, the, 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 the Muslims took over the area. The, there were Christians that was a hub of Christian activity. It was a place where some of the early church fathers went and developed and grew. And so from that place, the gospel kept going out. But it all started with a, let's go to the other side. So often we're afraid to go to the other side. We're afraid to leave the comfortable. We're afraid to leave what we know, but God is calling us to go to the other side. Where's the other side that God is calling you to go? What is he asking you to do that, that you don't understand why you would do it or why you would want to? Let me challenge you, don't be afraid to follow after Jesus and to go where he calls you to go. So that's what we get to talk about today. That's your introduction a little bit. I want to go back and explain some of the history about some of the stuff that I was talking about. I mentioned that there was a Jewish side of the lake and kind of a Gentile side of the lake. On the Jewish side, uh, it was ruled by Herod Antipas. And remember, this is the man that had John the Baptist beheaded. 
Uh, so he wasn't entirely a good Jewish person. His family had Jewish connections, Jewish roots, and they tried to keep the Jewish people happy, but they were very much Roman as well. But at least they had synagogues. They had places right where the Jewish people could, could congregate and live. And on that side of the lake, on the Jewish side, they, were, they lived in kind of small communities that were very uh, kind of family-based. And on the other side, though, it was ruled by Philip the Tetrarch, which was, uh, he was Herod Antipas's half-brother. Uh, and now, he was much more Hellenistic, and I'll talk about what that means. Uh, he, and he was much more willing to uh, make some compromises. And so, on the other side, the lake, the Gentile side of the lake, it was an area that was known in early history as the Decapolis uh, which simply means an area of 10 cities. These were Greek uh, kind of slash Roman cities. And so these were very different. Now in history, uh, I don't know, did y'all learn or do you remember hearing the name Alexander the Great? Y'all remember that? Um, that was a pretty significant person in history because he conquered so much of that part of the world. He lived from 356 to 323 B.C., now, he's not mentioned in the Bible because he falls in that period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that intertestamental time. So in the 400 silent years, that's where Alexander the Great kind of appeared. And so he died young, and, but he established this Greek culture, this Greek identity that came to be known as Hellenism. Um, and so this is, it was interesting when, when they invaded a new place and they took over, they just didn't kind of take over and make everybody slaves. They tried to change everything about the places they went into. And so this is why when the Greeks went into an area, they would build uh, coliseums for sporting events. And you see, you know, the, the, the coliseums in Rome and other places, and you've got coliseums. You've got gymnasiums, which were a place where you develop both your mind and your body. You have uh, theaters for all the different plays. You had, uh, you, the, you had the philosophers. You had the mathematicians. You had, um, you had the, they, they built hippodromes for horse racing, right? And so what their, their idea was, let's go into a new area and let's completely change the culture, right? Let's promote our own system of Greek gods and mythology and, and our way of thinking and they did this by kind of just, you know, providing all this entertainment for people. Now, I could do a whole sermon series on today's culture and how many parallels there are with our media system today, right? How it comes in and tries to kind of reprogram us a little bit and, and provide a different point of view than what we're accustomed to. But that's really how the Greeks ruled. And so when the Romans came on the scene and conquered everything, and this was about 60 BC, they pretty much just took over everything the Greeks had done and made it Roman. So you have Greek mythology and Roman mythology. That's how. And so uh, the, the roots that the Greek system had established now were Roman. And we were able to visit a, a city in the Decapolis called Betsheen. Um, and it was really neat because in it, you still see so much. You see the old theater. You see uh, this, the main street, the Cardo, they called it, with the big colonnades going down it. And, and I'm telling you, this was, 
Uh, for this time period, it was incredible. You had aqueducts bringing fresh water in the city. You had uh, running water through the bathhouses, through the restroom area, right, uh, with marble slabs. I mean, this is kind of, you look at it, it's more advanced than some third world countries today. And this was thousands of years ago where you had running sewer, running water. You had everything in the city. And so when you start thinking about the other side of the lake, these were areas where there were Greek and Roman cities built up. So, so different. On one side, you had the Jewish cities that were the synagogues and the, the family houses. And on the other side, you had this Greek culture that the Jewish rabbis would say, stay away from over there. That's going to corrupt you if you go over there. And that's really the, the kind of the setting that we find ourselves in. And so let me kind of jump in then uh, with that background set and, and share some lessons that we can learn from Mark 4 and 5 today. Here's the first point that I want to share with you today. It's simply this, an us versus them mentality keeps us from reaching others. It's very easy to say, but we can't go there because that's them. That, that's those type of people. They could have stayed on their side. Mark 4, verse 35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago uh, that the Sea of Galilee, we think of it as this massive thing, all right? It's eight miles across. Uh, from one side, from the Jewish side, you can look over and see the other side. Today, it's the Golan Heights that you're looking at. You're looking right across at the Golan Heights. That's the other side today. And so you're sitting there and you can see it. Um, and, and it's not that far away. And, and so this is so, just you think about this, but we have this us versus them mentality even today that prevents us from going where God calls us to go. I think throughout history, and I think it's because of sin's influence on us, we've tended to view people in terms of two opposite sides. There's them and there's us. And so we look at the other, type, the other side, right? Th those are the people not like us. They don't sound like us. They don't talk like us. They don't share the same values as us. And so we do this even today. And I think to me, that's such a problem with what I would call kind of the identity politics of today. You've got Republican versus Democrat. You've got white versus black. You've got rural versus urban. You've got male versus female. You've got us versus them. And we divide ourselves based on the camp that we most identify with. And so there's us and there's them. And them is the enemy. Them is the, the people that we don't like, that we don't associate with, that we don't want to have anything to do with. And so Jesus, I mean, he could have made excuse after excuse and his disciples for not going to the other side. One, it was the country of the Gerasenes. This is Gentiles. This was, this was one of the cities of the, the, the Decapolis. This was, it was so different from where they were. Um, not only that, on the other side, this was a place they had pig farms. Now, I, I wanted to just share, when we were in Israel, if you ever go, I, I hate to tell you this, you're not going to get bacon for breakfast. 
you're not going to find ham sandwiches in Israel. Jewish people don't eat pork. Muslim people don't eat pork. And guess what? It's like there's so few Christians, they don't eat pork out of respect for everybody else. So you don't find pork in Israel. This was a big deal. They had pig farms on the other side. Why, what type of person would go where there are pig farms? They're unclean. If you're even around unclean animals, it makes you unclean. Not only that, on the other side, there are tombs. Now, in the Jewish faith, right, if you were around tombs, uh, again, this would make you unclean. You would have to go through the purification ceremony when you came back. So you couldn't be around the tombs and around dead people and around dead things. And this is just, they, they stayed away from the tombs. Not only that, this other side, there, and this, it was along a major trade route, so everybody knew it. There was a crazy guy there. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a, uh, in a big city walking downtown, but you will see sometimes people with mental health struggles um, that are a little different, okay? I'm, I'm, being, I'm phrasing that as nicely as I can. And when you're walking down the street and you see you're walking up on that, what do you typically do? You go to the other side of the street. <laughs> Just being honest, right? I mean, you, if you're there and you're seeing someone, here you had a naked guy running around screaming at the top of his lungs. Do you think you would stay away from that? I'm just going, if you were walking down the street in Chicago or New York or, or downtown Freeze, I don't care where you're at, and there's someone naked running down your street, you're going to go, I think I'm not going to get too close to that. <laughs> and this guy was, I mean, this was the reputation. This was God. And, and so this guy was out of his mind and he would scream all the time. And, and this is another thing that's really interesting. We were able to go on a boat ride out on the Sea of Galilee. And we got out in the middle and he stopped, shut off the engine and said, let's be quiet and let's listen. And you could hear everything. It's crazy. They say you can hear completely across the lake if the wind's blowing right. So if you've got a crazy guy screaming at the top of his lungs on one side, in Capernaum on the other side, they're gonna, they've heard this guy. When the wind were right, when the conditions were right, they've heard this guy over there screaming. They knew this was a messed up place. They could have made excuse after excuse for not going to the other side. Why? Because it's us versus them. And that type of attitude today keeps us from going where God calls us to go, where he leads us to go. Because we can make excuse after excuse for why we shouldn't go. And in today's, well, they talk different. They'll make fun of us. They don't understand us. They're different from us. They, 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 they're sinful. They, they believe different things. It makes us uncomfortable. We can go on and on, and we can come up with excuse after excuse for why we shouldn't go to the other side. And what it really comes down to is my next point. It's the other side is unexpected and it's unknown. And that's what scares us. It's so unexpected. It's so un we don't know what to do and where to go and what to say and what to expect. So it's more comfortable to stay right where we are. If we keep reading in the story, it says, So they took Jesus in the boat. They started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. And even though this is a small lake, they do. it's in a, this huge valley. It's 700 feet below sea level. Um, and so you get some strange weather when you're below sea level. And so they can get big storms even today 
the hotel we stayed at the first time we went back in April, we found out in between our two trips, uh, they had a bad storm and it actually flooded the whole hotel. Water came up in the hotel and even in the first floor rooms where we stayed, it was flooded. So uh, they still have bad storms even today. Um, and so these high waves were breaking into the boat. It began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? But when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the wave, silence and be still. Suddenly the wind stopped. There was this great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. And so they had set sail. This huge squall came up, right? Uh, and, and so usually the, the, the sea is pretty calm. It was interesting. When I was standing there at the end, you could start hearing the waves lap up. That was because a jet ski went behind me. So uh, you don't think about that today, but you got jet skis like whipping around. You know, this is, it's a different, I mean, just, it's crazy to think there's jet skis on the Sea of Galilee now. But there are uh, around Tiberias and that whole area. It's a, like a, it's a, resort area. So you've got jet skis, you've got boats. And, but in that day and time, it was usually relatively calm, but because again, because that low, low uh, elevation, 700 feet below sea level, because the Golan Heights on one side, the other side, and it's steep on both sides, it's in this valley, you get wind, you get waves, you get unexpectedness. And so the disciples were in this boat, Jesus is just sleeping, and the unexpected happens. They're worried that they're about to die. And, and so often, the unexpected and the unknown, it keeps us from even getting in the boat in the first place. But when we do get in the boat, at the first sign of trouble, what, we, what happens? We panic. We give up. We, we're afraid. We turn back. We go back. All right? And I'm speaking metaphorically. But that's what we do today. We get in the boat. Okay, we're not sure. We don't have faith that God is going to get us to where he wants us to go. And that's really what happened to the disciples here. At the first sign of trouble, they're willing to give up. And they're, they're saying, are you going to let us die out here? And all Jesus does is say, calm, be still. The waves and the wind obey. So, so here's what we need to remember. When we get in those situations where we're going into the unknown, what do we need to remember? Who's in the boat with us? We've got to remember, Jesus is there with us going, in those, going to those places he's called us to go. And we can handle the problems because Jesus can handle any problem. He can calm the storm, but he can also calm us as we go through the storm. And that's what he did with the disciples. He didn't just calm the storm. He calmed them down, right? And he, he told them, right, Do you, why are you still afraid? You've got to trust. Do you still not have faith? And they realize that the waves and the wind obey them, so why shouldn't we? And so who can calm us? Who can calm the situation? We just have to remember when we go through those trials, when we go through those storms, when we go to the other side, Jesus is with us. And so when we forget who is with us, that's when we panic. That's when we get stressed out. That's when we try to come up with a, our own plan. That's, that's what gets us into trouble is when we forget who's with us. And so the journey is not always easy. It's going to require that we trust, and it's going to require that we sacrifice. We can trust that God can handle our problems, 
and sacrifice to get in the boat to start with and go to these unexpected and unknown places. That brings me to my next point, though. When we do that, this is when, then it's when it gets, up, gets good. God always shows up and he shows off on the other side. This is another saying from, our, uh, from Donald that I heard so often he'd say, Ah, oh, God just showed up and showed off. You'd see something happen on the mission field, and he'd say, yep, God just showing up and showing off. And I'm telling you, when you get on the other side, that's when you see God really work. And so it's when God does what only God can do. Now, when the story involves pig farms and demons, you know it's going to be good, right? I mean, really, I mean, when you get in the Bible and we're, start, uh, we're getting into some weird stuff now, there, this is a time for God to show up and show off. So Mark chapter 5, I'll read a pretty big section here, but it's just good, okay? So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. And I'm sure the disciples are thinking at this point, really? Really? We, we just got through a storm. We about died. And now the first person that comes to greet us is a naked, crazy man. All right? This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with the chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the, the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. This guy had a reputation. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. And then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. And there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, Send us into these pigs, the spirits beg. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. This is a crazy story. All right. This is, a, this gets, this is where it gets interesting. He shows up. Uh, you know, the man runs out to meet him. And, and again, you know, picture yourself in a, in, a, in a big urban city today. You meet someone like this. You meet someone that's crazy. Uh, you're going to be a little scared of what's about to happen. You're going to be a, a, a little scared of, of, of what's, going, what's going on here. And you've got this whole system of caves that overlook the, the eastern shore of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And in these days, people use those caves as tombs and burial uh, places and, and like I said today that's the Golan Heights and it's really steep so there's only really one or two places that the pigs could have run off a cliff and down the hill into the water so they they know with pretty much certainty this is where it happened and so you're looking across at the sea you, you can see that today we were actually supposed to go to that place on this last trip but because our flights got canceled and we were a whole day late getting there, we had to cut out that part of the trip. So that's why I had to film from the other side instead of the, the side we were planning on. But that, that's where it happened. And so this is where 
Again, everybody knew this man. Everybody had heard about him. He had a reputation. You read the other gospel stories and get a little more information about it. This was a common trade road, so people were traveling through here all the time. Um, and so they just tried. Here's what they did. They tried to chain this guy up to keep him from messing with everybody. But the change couldn't hold him. And so this guy, man, he was a mess. And that's when God shows up and shows off. Not only does he recognize that this man is possessed, he calls the demons out of the man. They run into the pigs. The pigs run off the cliff into the water. I'm sure that the people standing there were like, what just happened? What did we just see? This is craziness. And now we get to the point, how are they going to respond? How are they going to respond? What was the lesson there that was available for everyone to learn? Now here's the principle, and it's my, my last point this morning, that God's plan of redemption is available to everyone. Um, let, let's keep reading, and you'll understand what I'm talking about here. The herdsmen, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. So people rushed out to see what had happened. I mean, God just showed up and showed off, and they're like, we got to tell everybody about this craziness. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. This is a big departure from being naked and running around screaming and cutting yourself. And they were all afraid. Stuff like that doesn't happen naturally. They just, they understood something supernatural had happened. And then uh, those who had seen what had happened, they told the others about this demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. How would they respond? They're like, he needs to get out of here. And part of it, right, he just sent 2,000 pigs off a cliff into the water and drowned. This is their, that was their supper. This is their livelihood. This is, he's messing with their way of life. And they don't like it. They don't, they don't like it. They don't like it being disrupted. They were happy the way things were. And Jesus came in and completely changed their perception of everything. And so verse 18 says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns, the Decapolis of that region, and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Uh, this is such a crazy story because, you know, on the Jewish side of the lake, Jesus would perform miracles. He's like, just don't tell anybody what's going on here. He, like, kind of kept things. And on the other side, on the Gentile side, he's like, go and tell everyone. Don't come with me. Stay here and tell people. Why? Because they needed to know. They needed to hear. They needed that message. And although Jesus came to fulfill all the Jewish um, prophecies and, and he was the long-awaited Messiah, the Lamb of God that, per that takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist said. He was that person that came, and, but he also came for everyone. He also came for the Gentiles on the other side of the lake. And so I love that we see throughout Scripture that Jesus, yes, he was familiar with the Jewish culture, but he was also familiar with the Greek culture. 
Uh, I think I mentioned in the first sermon uh, that Nazareth was a town of builders and stonemasons, and there's a, uh, there was a huge Roman city, Sephoris, that's very just a couple of miles away that Jesus probably worked and built and helped. And we know he was exposed to Greek culture and ideals and the Roman uh, kind of uh, adaptation of that. And, and so this was not, Jesus was fully aware that there were people living far from God around him. And he could have been, it's us, the Jewish people versus them, everybody else. But what did he do? He continually took his disciples out of the, uh, out of the culture of us. It's all about us. It's all about the people who look like us, dress like us, act like us. And he was taking them to places like the other side. He was taking them to places like Samaria. He was taking them, right, to to go where no one else would go. Why? Because God's plan of redemption was not just for the Jewish people. It was for everyone. And so um, I love this whole idea. And and there's so much more I could even get into. Like, uh, for instance, uh, there's two stories of Jesus feeding the multitude. You realize that? He feeds the 5,000 and he feeds the 4,000. Um, and so you read scripture time and you're like, why is that? Well, when he fed the 5,000, it was on, guess what side? The Jewish side, right? And it was on the Jewish side near Capernaum. It's a place called Togba now. It's in Togba. And so um, when he fed the 5,000, um, he takes five loaves and feeds 5,000, which is, they say is reminiscent of the five books of the Jewish law. Uh, the Torah. But not only that, when everyone had finished eating, how many baskets did he have left over? Do y'all remember? Twelve, which represented the twelve tribes of Israel. So we have all this symbolism. And I love that about the Bible. You, as you study and you get into it, you see how things connect and you see there's symbolism and there, there's all this stuff that kind of points. But when he fed the 4,000, guess where he was? He was on the other side. He was on the Gentile side at this point. And so in this miracle, he used seven loaves and seven baskets are collected. And, and, and in biblical times, the, the number seven was a number of completeness, of perfection, right? Of God being done, uh, seven days of creation. The, uh, the, the, you know, the seven was this number of completeness. And, and so the, what does this show? It's like, okay, Jesus, he said, I'm the bread of life, but he's the bread of life for the Jews, but for the Gentiles too. He's the bread of life for us today. And it wasn't complete until he went to the other side. And so I share this today just to challenge us a little bit, just to get us thinking about this because this is, this is so important. Jesus came for everyone, including the people who are different from us. You understand that, right? That there are going to be people who look different from us, who talk different from us, who sin different from us. Don't pretend like you don't ever sin. Right? There are going to be people who struggle differently. They still need Jesus. They still need the gospel. They still need us to go and to tell them. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, he says, Go to all nations. As you go to all these nations... What do you do? You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. What do you do? You teach them to obey everything that Christ has commanded. 
And remember, right, you keep doing this till I come back to the end of the age. And remember, I am with you. I'm with you. I'm in the boat. I'm going to go with you when you go to that other side. So the question is not, should we go to the other side? It's when are we going to the other side? And it may be the other side of town. It may be the other side of the railroad tracks. It may be the other side of our state or of our, uh, our area. It may, but it's going to the other side where we feel like it's us versus them. And that's where God is calling us to go. Now, I mentioned in the video, um, as you study history and, and the early church, uh, about 70 AD, there was a Jewish revolt. The Romans went in and just started destroying all the churches. Started. Uh, this is when uh, you read about the, the, the persecution that was happening. You read about the scattering uh, of the early Christians. Uh, they were attacking the Jews and the Christians. They were just trying to wipe everything out. Acts 8 tells us, you know, Stephen, or it talks about Stephen being martyred. Then Acts 8, the church is scattered. All this is going on. And so the church is on the Jewish side of the lake, Capernaum and Bethsaida and Chorazin and all those places, and Magdala, all those, in, in, all those places on the Jewish side. They were destroyed. But the church is on the other side of the lake since they were in Greek Roman cities. They left alone for some reason, and they started growing, and they became the hub of activity for the next century after century after century. It's where people came to be discipled and learned, and this is where missionaries were sent out of. And, and as you go there now, you see all these Byzantine churches, the remnants of them, and these huge churches on the other side of the lake, the Gentile side, the, the, the unclean side. That became the hub of early Christianity. And that's amazing to me that Jesus went to the other side, and that whole other side, the church started with a crazy naked man that was chained up in the tombs. And from that, from him telling everybody, from them seeing Jesus perform miracles, arose the center, right, in, in, the, in the Pella and other cities in that area. You see this early church rise up. And I think sometimes we have to remember you know, we think, well, God, God, we want God to use us. We want him to use people like us. Why? Because we think we're more holy. We think we understand more. But sometimes all God wants is one crazy naked person to get a hold of and change their life completely so they can go and tell as many people as possible about God. So why are we so afraid? Why are we so afraid to go and tell people about God? And if you're here today and you're that crazy naked person, well, maybe not. You know what I mean. Let me, don't, don't tell me that God can't use you. Don't tell me that you're not important. Don't tell me that if you only knew my past, you would know that, man, I'm just too far gone. Don't tell me that because Jesus is in the business of changing lives. All he wants is someone who has experienced the life-changing power of the gospel and is willing to tell other people, and will you be that person? I told you in this week my mind's been on Don a lot as I was preparing this, and he had another saying that he would just keep saying. It's like he would talk about going to the other side, and then he would talk about we've got to go and push back the darkness. We've got to push back the darkness. And just another day on the mission field pushing back the darkness. 
Are we pushing back the darkness today? Are we staying where we're comfortable? Are we staying where the light is? Are we staying around people who are like us? Are we willing to go out and to reach people? Are we willing to go out and cross socioeconomic barriers, ethnic barriers, racial barriers? Are we willing to go and reach people? It may even be different politically than you. Are you willing to tell them about Jesus? Are you willing? And, and, what, and I'm just telling you, you can't underestimate the power of a single changed life. There's one other thing that I'll just throw in that's kind of interesting to me. And uh, it doesn't really tell us in the Bible. But there's another story in the Bible that talks about a pig farm. You all remember where it's at? Luke chapter 15, story of the prodigal son. Where does he go? He goes to a distant land, ends up on a pig farm. I personally think when Jesus was telling that story, the people are like, there's only one place a pig farm I know, and it's on the other side. That's where he's talking about. And so you see that, and the story is, hey, our heavenly father is waiting for us to come home. Our Heavenly Father, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter what you've done. When you come back, He is willing to forgive you of your sins, embrace you, and to bring you back into His family. And so that's the invitation I want to give you today. I don't know, maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you're in that place where you're like, I, I just feel like I'm too far gone. God is saying, will you come back to me? Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are willing to go to the other side to, to, to share hope. And so, Lord, will you empower us to do the same thing? Will you help us to reach people that everyone else has written off, the lost, the least, the forgotten? Uh, Lord, I pray that we would not get so comfortable that we think our Christian life is only about us. Can you help us to go to them? Lord, I, I'm so thankful for Jesus, for his love, his compassion, compassion, his mercy, his grace. I'm so thankful that he calls us to a new way of life where we can leave the chains behind and that we can follow you in freedom and love. And so, Lord, that's what we ask you to do is to help us to do that, to give us strength, to give us courage, to, to, to call us out and convict us when we make excuses. Give us opportunities, Lord, to show and share your love. And, Lord, will we go and be willing to go wherever you send us, wherever you call us to go. Would you give us the, the, the strength to do it? Lord, we thank you this morning. We're thankful for this time we have. And our prayer is that if there's anybody here that's been running from God, anybody here that feels that they are far from God, that today would be the day that they come home to you, the Father. So you can embrace them. You can tell them, right, your sins are forgiven. You're part of my family now. You have a new heart. You're a new creation. Though. You're no longer a, a slave to sin anymore, but instead you're, you can follow me in grace and truth. Lord, I pray that for every single person, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our hearts, God, that you raised Jesus from the dead, your word tells us that we will be saved. Lord, we just thank you for that promise we have. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.